Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, this fun discussion show. And it occurs on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Wednesdays feature none other than Selena Fox with her podcast, Circle of Nature. The second and fourth Fridays of each month features our newest podcast, Songs of the Pagan Tribe, hosted by Kern Greenman. Let's talk more pagan music, exploring the songs, the people, and the wonderful, inspiring world of pagan music. The third Fridays of each month feature Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-restorational, and eco-spirituality podcast that features um, eco-activist activities, stories about climate impact with climate solutions, and how you can manifest good energy for the planet. You will want to try us all. Celebrate the next full moon with Circle Sanctuary Community. The theme is Beloved Dead and takes place on Thursday, October 26th. Full moon circles begin at 7 p.m. Central, which is 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, or 4 p.m. Pacific. Circle Sanctuary full moon circles include invocation, music, meditation, poetry, reflection, and ritual working. They are facilitated by Circle Sanctuary Ministers, Reverend Selena Fox and Reverend Judith Sizes, plus other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those attending online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during the ritual and are invited to interact with each other on the chat on YouTube. Attendance is free and there's no registration required. For more information, go to our website at circlesanctuary.org. Tonight we have a very special guest. It's October, so who other than to introduce his new tarot deck, Tarot of the Vampires, by Charles Harrington. This Rider Wade Smith-based deck resurrects vampire archetypes for a new age. These children of the night are modern, nuanced, and deadly creatures who inspire us to unearth forgotten treasures within ourselves. We're going to be chatting with him tonight. Charles Harrington has been reading, teaching, and loving Tarot for 25 years. He's the author of the, published, the recently published Tarot of the Vampires, which we're going to talk about tonight, and he's written guidebooks to the murder of Corot's Tarot and Tarot V. His love of cards and connecting with other readers has manifested in co-hosting podcasts, speaking at conferences, and leading meetups in the San Francisco Bay Area. Let's welcome Charles to Circle Talk. Welcome, Charles. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited, and uh, what a great start to the spooky season. It is. I know. This is my favorite time. And um, like many people, I love the vampire genre. Um, I'm a big fan of vampire movies, um, uh, including Twilight, which a lot of people do not like, but I did. Um, I like the different types, but... We're also going to talk a little bit tonight. There's also a path, the vampiric path, which I know you know a little bit about, and I don't. I've been researching, so I look forward to um, meeting and talking to you about about that. How did you get interested in tarot to begin with? Oh, so I was kind of an odd kid in high school. I'm sure most of your readers, your listeners, cannot uh, relate to that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, exactly. <laughs> it was an odd time. Tarot was, I came from like a Lutheran background and I went to a Baptist junior high. And so actual like paganism and witchcraft, I was aware of them, but I wasn't brave enough yet when I was like 15, 16. But tarot seemed safe and I knew that like 
uh, I don't know, all kinds of people did tarot. And I just, right. so I got my first deck and the love affair began and I've never, never looked back. That is so cool. So, so when, so how old were you when you started doing readings? So I, right out the gate, I'm a sophomore in high school and I wow. um, would oh my bring God. my tarot deck. I would bring my tarot decks with me in my like backpack and I would, like, you know, in between at breaks or at lunch, I would do readings for people. Um, I would, and just in class sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, That's so you know, fun. I, it's, so, it was, it was fun and, um, it was really enjoyable. And I think it, when I started college is when I really got, you know, got serious. I kind of got religion about it and, uh, mm-hmm. started studying books by like Mary Greer, Rachel Pollock, and then Barbara Moore and others, mm-hmm. uh, on the art. And it just, like so many things that we all get into, there's just no end to the learning that you can do with Tarot mm-hmm. or Tara. That is, that is so cool. So do you professionally read now? You know, I do occasionally. I love being an event reader. Um, mm-hmm. I get calls sometimes to do like corporate parties or grad nights, and that makes it oh, that's um, cool. fulfills the like. Yeah, it fulfills the like the desire to like get to read tarot and be a carny without like um, needing to hang my shingle out there all the time. And 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 mm-hmm. it's a really great way to read uh, tarot because you get to quick little readings for people having a good time. They've been having some great drinks and they just want to have some fun. Oh, that's so cool. So what attracted you to um, this genre? What attracted you? Oh. And the um, the artwork by um, Craig Mayer is beautiful. So, Isn't um, it? If, yes. I mean, if nothing else, even if you didn't want to do tarot, I, I tend to do a lot of oracles and pull cards and, and meditate, and this is just like, uh, yeah, they're just they're really, really beautiful. Uh, what pulled you to this genre? So I have always loved vampires. Uh, as a kid, um, I was into, you know, vampire movies and things like that that you can see. And then, you know, in high school, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Absolutely. I was a big Buffy fan. Big Angel. Buffy. Right. Angel. I had that series. Angel. I know. I know. No, I, I love it. Oh, Cordelia on Angel. Can we talk about it? Anyway, no, we can't. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> so I've always loved all the vampires, and I've loved um, – the movies, and it's funny, whenever I ask anybody what their favorite vampire movie is, the first thing they say is like, well, it's a cheesy one. And I've just noticed that in the vampire genre, everyone's always worried that the the one that they like is cheesier or not good right. enough or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's just fun. I find vampires to be, obviously there's beautiful writing in the vampire genre from, you know, the original like Carmilla and Bram Stoker's Dracula, but right. um, there's also just a lot of right. fun to be had. And um, the focus right. for this deck is sort of modern. There's a bunch of vampire decks, and they're all good. But um, mine is focused on Craig. The, the deck that Craig and I co-created is focused on uh, modern vampires. So you think like some of the movies and TV shows that have been coming out lately, and mm-hmm. uh, they reflect that. It's a little bit more of that paranormal romance aspect where right. there are villain vampires and there are hero vampires. And to be honest, um, I heard... Llewellyn was interested in doing a new vampire terror, but they weren't really sure what direction. And I uh, was very fortunate to have attended a workshop at Pantheacon out here in California, led by uh-huh. the late, great Margot Margo Adler, uh, who wrote Drawing Down the Moon. And she was uh, right. an incredible pagan scholar, wonderful woman. She, um, I don't know if you know this, when her uh, husband passed away unexpectedly, she started reading vampire novels and in a few years Mm -hmm. she had read i'm going to say over 300 vampire novels right and uh just going through it and so and she wrote a book about this it's it's amazing called vampires rest but what she uh formulated was her theory of the moral vampire and that is so vampire like for example you mentioned angel angel is a modern vampire anything sort of post barnabas collins in uh dark shadows is this idea of a torch well they often they're tortured, but the idea is a powerful being who right. recognizes that they're very dangerous, trying hard to be moral and trying to be good. And that is a total reflection of modern humans. We are powerful. We can do so much. We have so much technology and access, but we also are aware that we're dangerous. We have an impact on this planet. We have an impact right. on other people. And it's trying to find our way through the darkness and the light of all of that. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely, absolutely, because I do, I do, I do agree with that. And I think that's why, I mean, in 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 not just people who are pagan or humanist, or um, I have a really close friend who is fundamentalist Christian. Mm-hmm. She cannot read enough. She loves the vampire genre, and and again, I think it's just that escapism. And you're right; you mm-hmm. see so much of humanity within that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's been said by different authors that, like, uh, the vampire is the, the, mo- the one monster we'd all love to be, you know. They're, they right. have a, a lot of benefits as opposed to, like, a zombie or a werewolf or something. But, um, right. yeah, but also just the power of the vampire to live forever. What does that do? And um, also, I will just say, the vampire as a symbol is always telling us about the current culture's shadow, so Bram Stoker's Dracula is the absolute shadow of 1897 uh, British public, reading public where he is this sort of uh, imperialist mm-hmm. conqueror going to other countries and having his way with their women. And what I love is that is all that the metaphor is always updated. I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you've seen Renfield that came out this year with Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt. No, is it good? It, it's so fun. It's a real fun vampire movie, very silly in some okay. places. But what I appreciated about it is that they took that the vampire archetype and they, the Dracula-specific archetype, and he's been updated. He's a narcissist. He's toxic. And Renfield is in a support group for toxic people who are being abused by toxic That's relationships. Fun. And that is a metaphor for our time. We are a little bit – we're a little narcissistic. And social media has well, allowed us to be a little narcissistic. But we're also on the lookout for that at all times. So – I just think the vampire uh, symbol, the vampire archetype, is always being updated for the current age. So I know um, the deck itself is based um, on the Rider Waite deck, which is good, Mm -hmm. because I think Mm -hmm. that draws people to it because there's some familiarity. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not because I have had friends who... Who bought decks that are basically foreign or based on another idea, and it, and they seem mm-hmm. it takes them a long time to use it. They seem lost, so so that mm-hmm. will seem familiar. But tell me your process, um, how you came up, how you directed the artistry, and yeah. your approach to each of the cards. Like I Absolutely. love the full card, the innocence. I just really liked your interpretations of the tarot. Oh, absolutely. Well, let me, let me uh, yeah, just st- step back for a bit. When I um, pitched the deck, I had to write a script for, like, a quick script for all 78 cards in the deck. So I had to sit oh down. God. Actually, here's, here's the bizarre thing. I needed to get in the headspace of the vampire. So I did, like, kind of like method acting. I would put on all black, and I'd go out at night, and I would just walk around my neighborhood cool. at night. I would, I so would walk through parks. Yeah. And it, what, here's what it taught me. I don't know how much about being a creature tonight, but I learned a lot about being a victim <laughs> because you're kind of always like, <laughs> what's so that sound? Like you smell like cigarettes because like, there's someone in the darkness. Oh. So it kind of taught me about that. But also, okay, so when you're doing a theme deck, and it's in the right away tradition, exactly like you said, what, to be a good installment in that, in that tradition, you, it has to go beyond. Sometimes you see a deck and it's like, I'm just going to say if it was like, the well, so the Terror of the Vampires, and it's just like all the right right away Smith cards exactly reprinted with just with vampires, and like she's mm-hmm. holding a cup, he's holding a baton, you know, a wand. Um, I think it's important to figure out what are the mechanics of the cards, and how do you pair that with the genre. So just as an example, um, vampires across all the all of the genres that you you and I love have um, different powers. So you start to think about, I like just created so many lists of like, um, I, I kind of decided early on, you know, and you'll be reading a vampire novel and like the characters have to say something like, oh, well, there's a lot of stereotypes. We can't turn into bats or mist or anything like that. And I understand that for if you're writing a discrete novel that you have to do that kind of thing. But if you're writing a tarot deck, you can kind of do it all. So you sort of like, okay, what would a vampire who can turn into mist, what does that do? What is, what is that? correspond with for someone who's reading. And so for me, for example, that would be like the Page of Swords. The Page of Swords is like a super spy. They can kind of find knowledge. They are able to subtly go here and there and observe what's around them and things like, things like that. So uh, the, you know, vampires that can't see their reflection, what is that? What kind of, where is that in the tarot? You know, and then you kind of go from there. And then, um, of course, 
we wanted to do a little bit of storytelling. So kind of early in the process, I'd, I'd written the script, and uh, Barbara Moore, my editor, the amazing, phenomenal Barbara Moore, uh, we started looking at artists, and early on we found Chris Marr, who I was so impressed by him. He draws amazing people who are sometimes in tarot decks, there's a phenomenon that we call same face where like every woman is the same woman and every man. Yeah. Uh, it's boring. So you, you, yeah. people, you see that romance so, novels or you see that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what we, what we noticed was uh, about Craig is he draws these incredible diverse people because vampire fiction is very diverse. There's people of all races. There's uh, people of all sexualities and gender expressions. And that all had to be in the deck. And he was, he was able to just create all these different cool characters. He was able to do um, animals and full scenes, which is hard. So early on, I'm collaborating with Craig, and we would just go four cards at a time. And um, so much of what's great about this deck is, is from Craig, because uh, I would sit, I'd be sitting there thinking, like, um, a, all right, like a woman. Like, so the strength card for me was the idea that vampires are always having to fight against their hunger, they're like insatiable right. desire for blood, you know, and a moral vampire, a good vampire, whatever, has to like not turn into a monster. So um, I had this idea that the, the, instead of having the woman with the lion, the lion is formed symbolically of blood in her chest. And I was like telling Barbara, I'm like, I don't know what this means. And she's like, I don't know how anyone would do this. And she's like, that's the artist's job. And they're going to do it. And like, she's 100% right. The art, like, uh, Craig and other artists like him can take whatever cockamamie ideas I put on paper uh, and breathe life into them and figure out how to frame them correctly. So you're telling a story, the symbols that are important are sort of pronounced and um, the, the, the narrative makes sense. And he just, he did a phenomenal job with that. Um, with The Fool, we wanted to tell a story across the majors, but not, not in every single major. That would be very boring. But we wanted to tell the story of a young woman who becomes a vampire and overcomes... Right. Dark, darkness and is a sort of a blended being and um, uh, so in that card I had this idea that the shadow like there'd be a shadowy figure that you can't really see offering her a rose because the symbol for vampires in the deck is roses with humans are right. lilies and we kind of play that that's a tarot symbol um, from the Rider Waite and he like he had the really, he made the character way way more pronounced and right in the foreground and his instincts were always so great um little different things. Like, I remember asking him, like, what do you feel like is missing? And he, he said, you know, like, reflecting modern vampire fiction, most vampires look like people, like really, really pretty well-dressed people. And that was kind of true in the deck. And he's like, we need some monsters. And so I was like, you're 100% right. And so several cards, including, like, the devil, the hangman, the nine of swords, right. became much more monstrous because you need that, too. It can't just all be gorgeous, pretty people. But That'd the hangman is a very clever card because it's a bat. And <laughs> I would have the bat never had thought of that. That was very clever. I think, you know, it's so funny about that card. Um, uh, if you've ever watched Midnight Mass, it's an incredible uh, series on Netflix that touches on the vampire archetype. And so we'd created that card already and, you know, like a bald, pale vampire hanging with these giant wings upside down. And then, like, the year after that, the vampire that that um, that that movie that show came out, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> like it's the resonant idea, is the hope, uh, I think. I know, and it's pretty. I I loved the tower card. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I really like that. I was drawn to that because um, again, I have different tarot decks, and that was mm-hmm. um, it showed a very beautiful building that was intact. Mm-hmm. But the fire was starting, and, it, you know, it was starting the destruction. So I thought that was there. I really, really enjoyed yeah. that. So a lot, of the, um, a lot of the cards, of course, have a subtle nod to some movie or story or book. And uh, uh, anyone reading with the deck does not need to know that. That's kind of more Easter egg kind of stuff. But that one is definitely a nod to the first interview of the vampire novel. And... Um, it is when they when they're it's a uh, so it's like a southern mansion. We wanted to go like it set right. it in New Orleans and have right. that. And it's important for me um, with the tower. So, okay, I think that more and more for modern tarot readers, you don't want to be fatalist about things. Like okay, that's over, it's destroyed. It's a very serious card, Correct. it's an intense card. And the, the card like the mansion is ruined, right? But 
But if, and I, I wrote this in the guidebook, if anyone's inside, they'd better get out. And I think with the tower card, especially when this is happening, it's like, it's not the end of the world, but you need to move. You need to react and change. And so right. we let that story. And then I got to have, um, when, you, when I'm running the guidebook, I got to have a little, a little bit of sardonic fun with the writing about like, you know, it takes, it takes so many years to, uh, create up the, the set up the right lair, find all the right minions, and then in one night of torture the so all over. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? But again, when I have gotten uh, the tower in readings, for me, it's unfortunately probably a healthy card. It means that yeah. I've not usually moved on a solution, and the universe mm-hmm. is just going to blow it up for me. And so I'm going to yeah. have to make transformation whether I really want to or not. <laughs> Yeah. So and I thought that, and so that's what I got from seeing this house that was, you know, it was it was real structured, but it's not. It's 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 changing whether it wants to or not. So I really really love that card. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Thank you. Um, I think that also uh, in the process of finding these stories, we wanted to touch on a pretty broad swath. Of, of vampire fiction, so it's it's lots of different types. So you'll see like the more family-based vampire stories, where it's like the found uh-huh. family coming together. But also, I'm a sucker for something like Underworld, where lethal vampires are at war, high above the city streets. And I think right. Craig did an incredible job of setting the um, the lighting of the scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. In so far as sometimes you get a dark deck and it's just dark everything's dark blue dark black right. and he put so much neon pops of uh, color yeah. the color just to bring that in and of course there's lots of red <laughs> across the deck yeah for blood i mean and and again the i mean uh the cards are beautiful they're very heavy um uh, uh, um uh, laminated card stock mm-hmm. i mean they're just they're heavy they're substantial. They're beautiful. Anyone would love to have oh, these cards to uh, work with. They're really, really nice. You know, another favorite card uh, in working with it is that I love, lots of times you will get decks, and the death card is scary. Or it, mm-hmm. um, and again, that just means transportation. It doesn't generally mm-hmm. mean physical death. Your death card is beautiful. Oh, thank you. So um, in the, the story of the fool, for that card. yeah, I want to talk to you about that. So um, the fool card, obviously she's on this journey, and in the lovers we see her right. again with her vampire love, right? And she's, right. She, she's, she's into it, right? But the, the death card, I agree with you. The death is a transformation, but something is ending, and we, all, we wanted to show that. It's not, sometimes you see a death card, it's like, no, everything's, it's a butterfly, transformation. Um, something yeah, is no. ending. And so what I love about it, the first thing is, in the in vampire lore, I think people we, most people know that like to become a vampire, generally you have to die. speaking, you have to that you have to die and then be fed the blood of your vampire right. sire. And so we want to show that. So her her neck, she's bleeding out, but he's got a drop right. of blood hovering above her lips. On his hand. But right. If, yeah. But if you'll notice the background, it's one of the only cards. The background is just pure black. And what we're trying to show there right. is her senses are going. She's leaving. Like she can't. Because okay, here's. The, re- the research you do around a vampire deck is wild. I was researching things like what happens if you feed blood to plants and stuff like that. But, um, really? uh, but the idea of, yes. And so one of the things I read was that, like, some of the senses go. And so Craig had this beautiful dark, dark black background to represent, like, this is ending. Her life as a mortal being is ending. And she's beginning something beautiful, but it's a transition, you know, as well as a transformation. Yeah. One door has to close before another one opens. Yes, 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 exactly that. So tell um, me, I'm just, you're probably bored. I'm going to go through all my favorite cards. Tell no, me no, about no, no, no. I, I, I will tell you my initial response to Justice. Tell me about what your inspiration besides the Justice card was. Justice card, okay, here's a wild thing. Um, uh, the Justice character, so some of the characters appear other places in the deck. The Justice character appears in the Two of Swords. And mm-hmm. I had this idea of, okay, so if you have a vampire deck, it can't just be vampires. There's also there's victims, but there's also hunters. Right. And I right. wanted to show, and also um, vampires are more amoral as opposed to immoral. They just don't believe in morality because they live forever right. and can make up their own rules. And they, they, they can do whatever they want. They have morals than we do. Yes. Yeah. So I did struggle, and Barbara did challenge me to, like, what would justice look for a vampire? And um, some cards in other vampire decks, 
just the decisions that they made have been to like create like a corrupted version of the idea. Just so like for example, the Hierophant in a lot of decks is like a dark priest and a, a right. dark like a dark justice figure that would be more like I don't know eye for an eye kind of thing. And I love the vampire hunter archetype. So uh, Craig created a vampire um, uh, hunter in the Two of Swords, who's like ready to like move, and they are in this moment of balance. And I'd written the card originally as like a Latina with kind of short hair, and Craig drew this character, and I was like, this to me is a non-binary person. Like he did like a great job, which really makes sense if you know about the Two of Swords. Like it's so balanced that there would be gender right. balance in there, and I was just like. You know, it wasn't intended this way, but this is our uh, non-binary character. That is really and they... interesting, Charles, because I didn't realize it. I'm looking at the card now. You cannot tell if it's a male or female. Yeah, and it's so funny when I hear reviews, people say male and female um, on that card, and I think that was a success. And um, in the book, it's subtle. I didn't want to, like, just be, like, I'm trying to get points here or, like, box checking. So the book just says they for their pronouns, and that's the only way that you right. would know. But, um, uh, so, okay, so this character, the vampire hunter, I thought justice in this world, in the vampire world, really is more of a hunter idea and the idea of settling mm-hmm. scores and, well, sorry, okay, let's be very clear. Justice is not me. Like, if you're drawing your tarot card, it's not about revenge. That's another card. Um, that's the chariot reverse. But, uh, no, the um, justice, we wanted to have this hunter character who later appears again in the, the judgment card when they're uh, slaying the, uh, the, the devil character that, that has been oppressing mm-hmm. the characters. And so we wanted to tell kind of a little story but, um, and have these characters have their own stories as well. Does that make sense? Yes, and it's funny. Well, my initial, what I like about the Justice card, and again, huh. that's just my interpretation of my thoughts, um, is this figure, very beautiful, non-binary, mm-hmm. holding a sword, and they have a blindfold on. Yes. And, and I immediately so thought, the, justice is blind. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So on a lot of decks, they're very, like, certain that they don't want that um, uh, that aspect of, um, excuse, uh, like, I, I, that they, uh, the, the justice is always not blindfolded. But I thought it was good to show training. And also, um, it's about, like, making a decision based on what's right rather than what your biases are telling you. You know, it's, like, also right. a blindfold you can't you're, you can't be like tricked by your eye. your eyes can deceive you whereas the justice right. part is about truth like the pure truth of what's going right. on and it asks us to like be like like let's be real like like let's be real Deborah what's going on in your life don't don't give me a story what's going right. on and so that idea is injustice right. um, one other thing about this is um, I have a little fun theory with the twos in tarot the two like the two of cups the two of swords the twos uh-huh. to me represent the desire for the suit so. In the Two of Cups, it's the desire for connection. In the Two of Swords, it's the desire for information. And I kind of thought it would be fun to pay off the twos in the tens. So all of the twos show a story that's happening, like a beginning of a story, and the tens show how it ends. So in the Two of Swords, the, the, the hunter figure, they are being approached by uh, a massive vampire. And then you see in the Ten of Swords, that that vampire is on the ground and his cover is full of swords. And that card actually is a nod to Paul Rubin's character in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, who has such an incredible death scene that was originally filmed uh-huh. as a joke and then ended up in the film. Isn't it wild? That is so fun. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, another card that I was really drawn to mm-hmm. that I don't know why is I loved the Three of Cups. I thought that was a three cups. beautiful card. So much yes, going on in Three the, Cups. Uh, and, yes. Tell me about the Three of Cups. Uh, it was the, the three, three beautiful women in the sky. Uh-huh. Uh, there's three women in I the sky. Kind of, there's like a, yeah, there's like a, like a beautiful manor house behind them, and there's a Ferris wheel. Like right. about to, there's about to be a carnival or a party. So the Three of Cups to me, like, first of all, is just coming together with people for a wonderful time. And the Three, there's usually three women. They kind of look like the three graces. And to me, the iconic three women in all of vampire lore are the brides of Dracula. You first meet them in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and they're out there, like, having their way with Jonathan Harker. Um, and then uh, later stories, later novels and films have really built those characters up a bit. And so um, the, we wanted that to be the Brides of Dracula card. And here's what's wild. 
I originally also wanted that card to be a nod to the Lost Boys, so I sent um, Craig nighttime photos of um, uh, Santa Cruz Boardwalk where that is filmed. Craig is so smart and ignored that, and he did. He put the Ferris wheel in there as a as a as a very kind gesture to me, but it really is a better card with with what he created. Insofar as it's like the the carnival's about to begin, which means the snacks are about to arrive. They're about to have a good time, and I also um, right. Sometimes, uh, so I think I wanted to be very clear that vampires are all races, and um, and they just are in modern vampire fiction. So we wanted the three women. And I think a lot of vampire, uh, sometimes when people do the, the Brides of Dracula, they give them three different hair colors. And I wanted us to right. take that a little further. And maybe other people have done this where there are three races. And so we have, um, if I remember correctly, um, Asian, uh, African, uh, black, yeah, and then, yeah, black, a redhead. And a, yeah. yeah, and a redhead. It's, it's, just, it's um, just a beautiful card. And and you talk yeah. about it's pure pleasure. And that's what I, I was really drawn to that card. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And now here's a fun little quirky thing. So when you're drawing these decks, especially modern characters, they all have to be wearing something. And when you're writing it, you're kind of like, I don't know, vampires. Uh, so uh, Craig and I got spent a lot of time looking at runway models and different things and, like, what are they uh-huh. wearing and, like, H&M catalogs and stuff like that. Not H&M, excuse me, uh, All Saints catalogs. And, um, though they're wearing bridesmaids' dresses because <laughs> they're the brides of Dracula. Oh, that's so, so fun. It might oh, that's be a wedding. so cool. Isn't that wild? I'm sure they'll wear so it again. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, the, the card next to it, uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure of my reaction. The Four of Cups was not expecting that card. The Four of Cups, so has the vampire holding, he looks like he broke into a plasma lab. Yeah, so um, yeah, it, it's interesting you say that. So um, one thing uh, in a modern setting, like sometimes when you're, write, when you're writing a tarot deck, you have to be like, why are there? Why will there be four cups in this scene? What are the cups going to be? Right. And so, cups right. are not always cups. In this case, they are plasma bags. And it's very. We, uh, we want to play the idea. The four of cups often is about like not feeling completely satisfied and wanting right. something else right. outside of yourself. And so, um, in vampire fiction, usually the vampires who have chosen to not drink from hu- living human beings, but to like drink like 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 donated blood or animal blood. There's a sense always that they're, they're always hungry for something else. So we have that open window, and the moon is lit, and the, well, the moon is always lit. The moon is um, shining, and uh, his window is open, and it's just this tantalizing thing of, like, I want something else. I don't feel complete. I'm not satisfied, which is, you know, how I feel when I'm about to have a dinner smoothie. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that <laughs> that's hunger funny. for something else. Right. That is really uh, it's a lot of fun to just get like lots of different references and things. And then uh, another card, I pulled my favorite cards up. Another card that I thought was so clever was the Six of Cups mm-hmm. because your vampire oh. is uh, vampire, the Cocoa Vampire Cereal. I laughed when I saw that. I, it's been a very divisive card. So yeah, the Six of Cups is always like about like something being childlike and right. cute. And uh, originally I was like, well, do we draw like a child? Vampire, but ch- ch- child vampires are usually tragic in vampire fiction. Like you think of Claudia right. from the the uh, Interview of the Vampire. Interview so, the Vampire, correct. Like, what if what if this is the one card? It's the only card that takes place in daylight. And it's this bright ass card, <laughs> and uh, no, right. no, I'm sorry, the sun also. The sun is in daylight. Um, but it's uh, what it's like in this world. This is like so it's Count Chocula, and what if in what if this world they don't know that there's vampires. They just have a bright and shiny. Uh, view of the world. Of course, if it's reversed, it's like that's rose-colored glasses, and like what they're not aware right. of is there's vampires lurking in the shadows. But um, some people thought it, it was a little too um, humorous, and I understand that. But I think we wanted to have like a light six of cups. Oh, I thought it was. I think it speaks to that card, and I thought it was very <laughs> clever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was very, very, very clever. And so, yeah, I actually really, really I really liked it. And and I wanted to touch on, talk a little bit about, um, you know, many tarot um, will have a small, um, they will have a book or they will have an information booklet. Um, mm-hmm. Your book, The Codex of the Vampires, is a stunning book, and it would be great by itself. Talk about that. I mean, it's very well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's just uh, heavy, um the paper is just, I mean, it's a very high-end book. It was beautiful. Well so, done. Llewellyn. Talk about yeah, that. So I think, 
we've come, so we've come a long way. We used to call the LWB, the little white book. And like when you got like uh-huh. exactly what you said, like you'd get a tarot deck, you'd open it and it have this like little piece of paper and it would say like, you know, like right. three of cups, friendship, connection, reverse, uh, dissatisfaction, right. right? And you're like, what the hell do I do with this? So that is not satisfying and that wasn't working. And also just as a, to throw a fact out there for you or a statistic, eight out of 10 tarot decks purchased are someone's first deck. So they don't have this repertoire of all these other books and decks to draw right. from. So it needs to be the be-all, end-all. Obviously, okay, again, there's so many books on tarot. There's so many great books. Like, every reader is going to want to get many more and more books. But the first book for the deck has to serve the purpose of, like, soup to nuts, telling you how to read tarot and what the card means at so many levels, what the scene is what the reversal is if you read reversals and then like, how do you, what does this card mean when it's like psychological? What does this card mean when it's like a prediction? And so um, also um, uh, there's a lot of thought put into how people read tarot books. Most people do not read uh-huh. a tarot book cover to cover. I would love them to, but they don't read cover to cover. So they'll like pull three cards and then they'll look up the meanings. So for that reason, right. the three of cups, the three of cups can't rely on the idea that you know what cups mean, like emotions or dreams right. or like that and creativity. So it has to spell out the water and the connection every single time. Uh, and that way it's very satisfying uh, to do. And so I know, I know many readers out there, many readers out there, especially Rider Waite Smith readers, believe like throw out the book, you know, but don't throw out the book. <laughs> like re- regard the book. No. Um, we wanted it to be a satisfying book. It also, it's, the book talks about shadow work. It talks about there's a ritual for blessing your uh, deck in it. Um, if right. that's the kind of thing you'd like to do. And um, just what, what, how the suits are. And it also explains, like, the world of the vampires. You also talk, uh, which I thought was really clever, um, a little real brief, and you say this is a very brief history of the Tarot. So people realize mm-hmm. this isn't just a modern thing that's giving mm-hmm. you. This, is, this is, has history behind it. It does. And the thing I mostly want to get people, uh, people to take away from that is that Tarot has changed. It's been a game. It was a game for hundreds of years. It was an right. occult tool for meditation or, or hermetic magic. It's a fortune telling tool. It's a psychological tool. It's all of these things. And sometimes tarot people out there will say like, oh, well, you can't do this with tarot. And I just, what? Like, I don't know. I think that there are people doing all of these things and um, whatever you, where you want to, wherever you want to approach tarot, that is available to you. And it's going to shift again, you know, like it's not done. Yes. You, um, if I remember correctly, because I actually did read your book, you talk about journaling, and you also gave a note that if you get, you know, like a death or a tire, if you get, uh, look at the other yeah. cards, and it's just trying to tell you something, and this is, like, yeah. we all get these yeah. cards. We all go through these things. Yeah. So, like, something I think about, if you ever pull a card a day, and it's a great idea to pull a card a day if you're a reader, what you notice is, like, you're going to get every scary card at some point, and usually most days, like, you don't get fired or something, someone doesn't die. Right. So the energy of the tower, if I have a tower day, it might be that something's late or something doesn't work or that I need to change something, and, and you know, and it's not that there's an earthquake. So I think that what it, it shows you is that most of these things are, most of these cards represent very normal energies that come into our life, and... It's, and we want to take them seriously. I, I, I'm not like every every card is positive kind of guy or high vibes or um, right. What is that? What do we call it? toxic positivity? But these are all right. things you can face. You can face all of these things. You know. Right. And I'm kind of odd when I do oracle or when I get a card like that. For me, it's what will happen if I don't make changes. Mm-hmm. I don't make. So and, yeah, and I exactly. will tell you, it's on the menu. <laughs> if I if I pull some of these harder cards, I'm telling you right now, yeah. the person doing the reading doesn't even have to say anything. I already know what that card's about. And again, mm-hmm. I, you know, because lots of times if you have a reading and I have friends who read, they'll say, you know, do you want to talk about love? Do you want to talk about work? And then, you know, I'll, you know, say, oh, well, let's do this. And then when I get the reading, it is very definitely something else, and it's very direct. Mm-hmm. And usually when I get the tire cards, I know exactly why. Mm-hmm. And it's right not me telling me, if you do not make changes, this is going to be your life. So, yeah, like, so yeah I, I find that very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way about um, the cards and that, like, honestly, getting a negative card can be helpful because, like, it can tell you, like, I – It can tell First you that, one. like <laughs> – 
yeah, like let's say like you're obsessed with this person in your life and you really, really love them and blah, blah, blah. And you get the yeah. negative card. You can fight it. You can cry. But also you could just do, you could be doing something else with your time, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Now, 19 year old exactly. would not have heard that story, but 40 something year old me. And, and it's interesting. I have to say, when I get, like, when I get to the stores, or I try, when I get a hard card, mm-hmm. usually it ends with a, a positive card or a happy mm-hmm. card, or it's like yeah. if you just do the work, the universe will reward mm-hmm. you. <laughs> but yeah. you've got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. And. All of the all of the like information about how to face these cards is in the guidebook, kind of like you described. And because like as the reader, as the writer of the uh, for the guidebook, you can't just tell people like, well, that's over. Like your your life is over. <laughs> you know, it right. has to be like, okay, so what do you do? So you can't. It's not just making everything like it's going to be all cute and wonderful, and you can have everything you want. You know, it, Oprah right. told me so. But it is like, all right, what what do you do in this situation? Right, and and if you do that then then the cards become useful and then you know i have a friend who reads and and she said you know she likes it when cards look worn because cards get their own energy and they like to be read and and they yeah she has a theory that they talk to you more the more you use them i think you're going to become so familiar with them you're going to become and you, you what happens also is like you start to notice the rest of it so in the beginning you're like okay yeah, I see the the dad and the daughter, but like and then you're gonna notice like, okay, what does it mean that this is in the background, you know, or like, right? What is you know, you, you'll you'll see new things all the time. And Craig does such a good job of putting those other things that are gonna draw your attention or gonna have meaning for you. And I want to give a shout out, Craig. Um, always made sure that some of those familiar right away symbols are gonna be in there. So just as a wacky example, and the two of cups. Um, famously, the Redwood Smith is the two, the, the man and the woman with the cups, and there's a lion's right. head above them in the clouds. And I didn't write any kind uh-huh. of lion, so he put lamps in the. Uh, they're in a, a restaurant together, having like a you know, an intimate moment. And uh, yeah, and he put the lion in there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Craig, you're so smart. That's really that's really clever. So let's just say we have a listener who goes and sh- and they um, buy your book. How do you suggest people who are do because tarot can I know myself tarot can be overwhelming. Um, yeah. You know because you you want to read you want to do it you get this book and then you're like, all right what do I do? So do you suggest people pick one card? How do you how do you suggest people if they buy your book? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you suggest they get started? Yeah, and actually so there's a, a, a chapter in October because it's the perfect yeah. seasonal gift. It's, it's the time. It is our, it is the time. You know, um, okay, so there's a great little chapter, well, excuse me, great. There's a chapter in the book called Seeking Your Teeth into the Tarot, and I'm being cheeky, and it talks about, like, what do you do? So I think the first thing you should do is pick an issue you'd like to look at and not the most important one in your whole life. Pick, like, how's this expectation going to, you know, not, like, what's going on with my, like, significant relationship and where's that, like, something that you can, like, be a little bit, um, and less heightened about. So what's, you know, how's, right. how's next week going to go? How's next week going to go is a great one. And then you just uh, pull the cards out. If you don't read reversals yet, don't start now. Uh, you can um, eventually, but this is the first first deck. Just put them uh, upright and then just uh, shuffle, 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 cut the cards, you know, have three cards, and then just look at it and just sort of just sit with your impressions. Which, which right. cards look terrifying? And remember now, in, this, in a deck with monsters and vampires, they're, they're all going to be kind of dark, and so that's not like right. like you have to remember for the vampire. This is a great scene. A vampire bathing in a tub of blood, great. That's the, that's a wonderful thing for her to be doing. So right. uh, anyway, uh, and so you look at that first. You look at the three cards, and you just like, where are you at? What's what's your first impression? What is your intuition telling you? And then I really do recommend you look it up card by card in the book and read the whole thing, and just ask yourself like, what resonated with what I just read? You know, what can I do? And then. Put the book away for a minute and just tell this, like, in one sentence, in two sentences, what's the story? Um, what's the story and, like, what can I do for my greatest and highest good is a good question. Sometimes I'll pull a, a fourth card for that. You know, what can I do? What's the action to take? And then and then go from there, um, you know. And then I am a big person for tarot journaling. One, 
uh, witches and tarot people all love buying fancy journals. We love them. Uh, or we love keeping things on Evernote or other, other note-taking right. devices. And then if you just write out the reading, um, you're going to give yourself a full reading. I agree. Draw those cards where they were, write out what they are, uh-huh. because you won't think it mm-hmm. matters, but months down when you go back to your journal, you will see yeah. your life played out. Yeah, and often, like, I'll be, like, doing another reading on the same topic, and I'll, like, open the journal, and the last reading I did was on this topic. Oh, okay, why don't I read what I wrote (laughs) and go from there? Um, Also, but I'll say, like, uh, most tarot readings, so sometimes you'll get a tarot reading from someone um, who will use every single word in the English language uh, to tell you the reading, and it'll take an hour-long thing for three cards. And I just want to say, like, a lot of of great readings are under five minutes. And so it's just, like... Card, 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 and then what do I do? And, like, you might not know, so you could you could set those cards on your desk wherever you're working for the day or keep them around and then come back to it and uh, you'll, you'll become familiar. So a card a day is great because it just tells you what's, like, what's the wisdom I need to know today, um, right. and that's a great way to do it. Um, or it's also another fun thing is doing readings about celebrities on TV, you know, like, uh, because then you're going to, like, okay, if there's a scandal happening in the news, just do a little reading. Um Obviously, you're not That's crying cool. into that person's actual life, but it gives you something to write about, you know, just a, a, something to explore. Uh, what, 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 and, like, what would, I, what would I be, you know, if Gwyneth Paltrow was sitting in front of me, what would, what would I tell her, you know, and draw the cards for right, her? what's going on? Oh, that's really clever. Tell me about, because I know people who work mm-hmm. with reversals, and I know other people mm-hmm. who totally ignore them. Explain the significance of a reversed card. Great, great question. Is that something and, um, you work so you with? I absolutely read reversals, and um, if you look on the back of the cards, you'll also notice the back, um, there's the lily and the rose, and the idea was that roses represent the vampires and lilies represent the mortals, so whenever they're reversed, there's going to be a little bit of a fear moment for the reader, which is actually positive, I'm just like, it's a heightened sense of of like, um, uh uh-oh, here there's some reversals going on. Now, so to me, all right, to me, you have to, uh, there's so many ways to read reversals, and there's a great book by Mary Greer called Tarot Reversals. It should be taught in third grade. Uh, it's a really, it's an incredible book, and it'll tell you the many ways. It, the reversal could be the shadow aspect. It could be the shamanic aspect. It could be a, a, a moment for healing. I tend to use right. the idea that the reversal is that the energy is uh, redirected or delayed or subverted. So that's great in some cards. A reversed three of swords for me is, oh, the healing is happening. You know what I mean? It's like that's right. a relief when I see that. Um, for some people, they're just too confusing. Um, I've been, I was on a trip in, uh, recently, and I was doing car, uh, lots of readings, and um, my gosh, some of them, I do like four cards, and they'd all be reversed. And I was like, what is going on? And it just represented, like, for me, <laughs> if all of your cards are reversed, and you've been, you know, whenever you, if you do reversals, and you, you know, you shuffle your decks, you get reversals, like about half of your cards are going to be reversed. So reversals aren't bad, or, or like, you're not expecting to not have them. And in life, uh, you know, a lot of things are like a mixture of good, easy and not so easy. But um, reversals for me are um, a great way to know which aspect of this card. Just as a, uh, one more quick example. Sometimes a tarot reader will tell you like, okay, this means either A or the exact opposite of A. <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, which is yeah. it? Um, so for me, the reversals help with making that a little easier. So just as an example, um, the Knight of Swords. The, the Knight of Swords can be, like, someone who's just, like, living in the now, and they're completely moving at an in, incredible clip, and they've got it together, and they're living instinctively. And sometimes it can be a raging jerkwad who doesn't think about anything about right. themselves. So, like, having the reversal for me can be like, uh-oh, okay, Charles, we might be in the jerkwad territory. Like, maybe maybe we're moving a little too quickly here. Whereas, right. if it's upright, it's like, and it's like a, it's a what-should-I-do card. It's like, oh, go, go, go. Stop hemming and hawing. Why are we reading a tarot card about this? Like, let's go. Does that make sense? Yes, that's really that's a really good way to to look at it. Like I said, I've I've uh, I know some people who really work with them, and I know other people who mm-hmm. who do not. So um, yeah, you know, it just it's an uh, it it's, just it's all depends. optional. Yeah. So so tell me, are, do you know I know mm-hmm. uh, the uh, vampire genre, which and again, your cards are beautiful. I, I tell. All the readers to go out and grab this. This is just a beautiful set. Um, but there's also a vampiric path. Are you familiar with yes. that? Is that something you've explored or talked about, Tola? And that yeah, was something I love- that I didn't know anything about 
and uh, because I didn't, and I was interested in, 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 I loved your cards. I've done some reading, mm-hmm. this, and it's much different than I thought it was. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. So the vampire path, um, and a lot of the people in the vampire path are either witches or they're sort of witch adjacent and are working with like hermetic magic or things like that. But um, it tends to be a form of the left-hand path, which uh, right. some people are like, ooh, the left-hand path, which it's just, it balances light and darkness. Um, it, it's what right. they, that's usually what they tell you. Um, but um, within that group, there's also a lot of people who identify as vampires. And what that means is more like psychic vampires. They can draw energy from us and they need energy. And I, I don't identify personally right. as a psychic vampire, so I don't want to speak for them, but they do appear. I did want to make sure they're represented in the cards. So, for example, the Queen of Cups, who, the Queen of Cups has such a healing personality. One of the things I think people don't know about psychic vampires is they're so good at working with personal energy that they have uh, healing gifts. They, they can they can heal right. people, um, work through some things and heal. So I, uh, the, the Queen of Cups is a psychic vampire in the deck and has sort of uh, these kind of healing abilities. Um, and also the Wands suit. Uh, the, the vampire path, um, from what I'm familiar with, is... Um, uh, they, they tend to be into the ceremonial magic. And uh, I've noticed that they have kind of a, an Egyptian flavor, often going to like kind of an Egyptian style or an Art Deco style of, uh, with their aesthetic and with what they do. And so um, in the deck, the suit of wands, the wands are Ankh staffs. The Ankh represents life and eternal life, and that's very vampire-y. Right. And that the suit of wands represents uh, the vampire mages in, in the world of the deck. Um, and... Um, Someone I've become a little more familiar with who wrote an incredible book about this is a, he was, uh, his name is Father Sebastian, and he wrote a book called right. Black Veils, Master Vampire. And this, yes. if, you're, if, this is like, if you're like, vampire path, what am I doing being a witch? I want to be a vampire. Uh, I would second That's recommend his book highly. That's actually who I researched. That and Michelle, I forgot Michelle's last name. Oh, um, um, Michelle Bellinger. Yes. She wrote the Vampire Codex, uh, Psychic Vampire Codex. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've, I've actually met her. At, I'm sorry, I've met Michelle. I do not know their pronouns. I would say I met Michelle at Pantheacon, and um, uh, very, very knowledgeable on that topic. So also a great resource. Uh, I've been really enjoying uh, Black Veils by Father Sebastian, and it's a really cool book, and it's full of rituals and practices and tools and uh, things. And here's something wild. Uh, I learned where the – okay, I've been practicing Wicca since – 2001, and I learned where the origin of the word afame from Father Sebastian's book. It never occurred to me that it's French. I'm, I'm uh, and so that what was a very cool. What is the origin cool, of uh, afame or it's, afame? It's, I've heard both. So, what yeah, is the I've heard both. I, so it, yeah, it uh, comes from a French word, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's afame, which means blade, I believe. If there's a French person listening, I do apologize. But the, I just want to say that the origins for what we say afame uh, in, in Wicca. Uh, or witchcraft. Um, he, he so in his book he talks about the tools of the of the vampire craft, and I was like, how has it how has it been this many years, and I'm just now learning this. So he's very knowledgeable, and That's if you're the vampire path, mm-hmm. and again, it's not something. And and I've heard for years people talk about, oh man, they're they're um, you know psychic vampires will drain energy. Well, then I read, um, I believe it was his book, who basically said mm-hmm. psychic vampires are usually healers. Most yes. people who identify as empaths mm-hmm. probably could easily follow that type of vampiric path. And that Absolutely. is totally opposite of what I thought it was. Totally It totally changed my mind. Yeah. So, no, it's and incredible. again, they uh, talked about you. people who actually use blood ritual. You know, they're not mm-hmm. like um, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They're taking a drop of their own blood and putting it in a chalice of, mm-hmm. of wine or water and drinking and, and, and ingesting it energetically. It was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. The path is yeah. much more fascinating. It's, like I said, I didn't know very much about it. Yeah, no, it's a very intimate path um, because of that, uh, because of the connection. If you're, if you're dealing with anyone else's blood that you don't know, uh, you got to be very certain of, 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 you know, of them and very trusting of them. Uh, so... I think that it's a very instant path. And also, I just want to say, I don't know, I think that not all of them work with blood, of course. Uh, that's that's some of them, the sanguinists, I think they're called. But, um, right, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. But that's the a most wild world. It's a really cool world. Right, energetic and psychic is the most prevalent. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but uh, even if you're not into like following the vampire path, I think the deck. It's just important that if like that archetype of being the vampire is uh, is powerful. And I'll, uh, I will say, I know that the vampire path follows very closely. Usually, the goddess Lilith. And so right. for me, Lilith is the Empress card in the deck. Right. She is the mother of knights and the mother of vampires. So she's in there. Well, your um, your deck is beautiful. Do you do you have something else? Are you working on a new project? Uh, you know, so I've got. Um, I'm so excited that this deck is out. This has been. I've been working on this project for four years now, and it is just so exciting to see it happen and to see it out and, oh, and to have pe- people's reactions uh, from oh, it. Yeah. And so, um, there's a few things I'm working on that are going to be coming out maybe in a few years. But uh, I just did um, an or I, I did this, the the guidebook, not the art or the script it, but the a guidebook for an oracle deck based on Dante's Inferno. That's going to be coming uh-huh. out from Los Garabeo next year. So if you're into Dante's Inferno, it's an intense, it's an intense Oracle deck. Uh, that's coming out, and then also um, uh, Llewellyn's Tarot Calendar, uh, not next year's, but the year after. I, I wrote, um, but uh, for right now, I love my all my focus and attention is on those vampires, and I hope that um, if if they if if someone likes vampire symbolism or the vampire archetype and if they're into it um that they might check it out and enjoy it and oh, either absolutely. if they're a local I, I encourage people get... to yes it's a very nice and, and people who are serious about tarot collect wonderful cards decks anyway so yeah. uh absolutely it's just uh, yeah it's just you did a really good job it, like i said it was beautiful and it was interesting to me like i said as i went through it which cards i was really drawn to and and cards that surprised me, uh, like I said, mm-hmm. the death card really spoke to me, and the justice card, and it was like, because the death card, you know, a lot of tarot decks, it's a very scary and harsh, um, and that card was beautiful, and I like the idea that death is a transformation. So, yes, I, this deck really spoke to me, and, it, and you did a really oh. great job. Thank you. So, that is so generous of you to say, and it really warms me on my heart. So, thank you so much. So, yeah. So, absolutely, and you feel free to come back. Now, do you have Facebook or Instagram or anything else? People, Patreon, you know, anything else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so that, that, so <laughs> I will say that the best place to find me uh, probably might be, I have a Twitter account, which is at TarotQuest, T-A-R-O-T-Q-U-E-S-T. Um, and I'll just say this. Uh, I don't post very much, but if you're, if you're hearing this and you want a one-card reading from the Tarot of the Vampires, uh, just message me um, on, uh, I guess it's not Twitter anymore, it's X now. I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 the social That's platform so formerly known as Twitter, um, if you send me a message, I will give you a one-card reading with the Tarot of the Vampires so you can get a taste of it. Oh, oh that's really that's really generous. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking tonight. Um, I flew by. I could talk to you all night. It was really Again, I really it was beautiful, and I think some of the symbolism you put in um, is very, very clever. So I think this deck is going to be very successful. Oh my God! Well, from your lips to the goddess's ears, thank you so much. There you go. I just want to wish you so and everybody listening a wonderful Halloween season. It's on Amazon. Amazon. Whatever device Amazon. you're Amazon. listening to this, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was cutting you off. Oh no, I was going to say, where all can we buy? Amazon, Llewellyn. Yeah. Llewellyn, Barnes and & Noble, it, uh, all of these places. <laughs> oh, good, Barnes & Noble. Okay, that is good because a lot of people um, still like to look at stuff before they buy them online. So uh, that's totally. great. Well, congratulations. You did a great job. And, again, our author tonight is Charles Harrington, and we have talked about his new tarot deck. Um, it is the Tarot of the Vampires, and it the, it's absolutely beautiful. So I encourage everyone to run out and get it. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. I want to thank Stephen, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I want to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, or CSNP. Our next Circle Talk is October 17th, and we are going to be talking with author Morphus Ravina and about her new book, The Magic of the Otherworld. Um, we're going to explore deep traditions and methods um, on polyism, polytheism, anonism, 
and connection to the other world. And she's going to talk to us about doing ritual and deity work for healing, empowerment, justice. It's going to be a really fun show. So please come back. And thank you, everyone, and blessed be. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary Thank you and produced so for much, all the nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcast. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.